0: Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. (laughs) Of Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. This, I'm joined by my co-host Dylan Hughes, who is uh, taking a break from his iced coffee at the hipster coffee shop because he won't listen to Tyler Hero.
1: Um, Dylan, how are we doing this week? <laughs> i can't even describe how offensive that introduction was so first, first of all not a nice coffee fan and that that is not the problem though i the I fact could, the, t- the fact that you think i would actually spend money on coffee outside <laughs> of my home is really it just shows how little you actually know me listen 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 i was just i tried to come up with something
0: hipstery on the fly and it Bomb spectacularly in my face. We don't need to talk about this right now. We don't need to talk about this right now. We're here to talk about basketball. Here to talk about basketball. Even though we did talk a a good amount of football on the pre show, you know, it was nice to switch that up. But um, so for this week, we are going to try another concept that's going to be a fun one, I think. We're going to talk about the biggest needs for each of the teams in the lottery. Now, we're not going to, I don't know how Dylan approached it. I went more off of the pragmatic, like free agent slash actual needs approach. But there's, you could go through it from the draft, whatever it, there's a lot of different ways you could approach this because obviously these teams are picking high in the draft for a reason with the exception of Boston. Of course, Boston picks high in the draft because they named for like five years, just stole everyone's first round picks. But Dylan, I this is going to be interesting exercise. I'm curious to see where you went with it.
1: Well, I'm going to stick to what I know and I do not know this draft. Me either. So I can't I mean there's a few guys at the top that like with these next few teams I maybe maybe would work, but I don't know. I mean outside of the outside of the top few guys, I don't have an expertise, so I can't say uh, I can't give great draft advice like some of our others on the network can.
0: Right. Like Caleb Lane might have him on before the week of the draft try to break down some of these college guys because I know absolutely nothing about them. I hear Anthony Edwards all the time. I know yes. nothing about this Anthony Edwards and he, he sounds like a great guy. I know nothing about you. Don't take it personally, Anthony. You don't need to know me. And really, I don't need to know you at this point. I'll know you in a couple of weeks. You'll probably never know me. That's neither here nor there. So we'll start. We're going to go from one to 14 because, Dylan and I said before the show started I think we agreed we have talked way too much about Boston in the last couple months and they don't really need to be just we've talked about their needs ad nauseum. it's pretty obvious what their need is (laughs) I would say so I mean Dylan we'll start with you with Minnesota what do you what is your biggest need for
1: them well okay so let's just break the roster down a little bit right here so you get You get D'Angelo Russell finally, you know, the the guy they for some reason were just desperate to pair with Carl Anthony Towns Um, Malik Beasley midseason. Really good pickup, like obviously needed to be traded out of Denver and really happy he was because and I don't think Denver's too happy they traded him after how things went down, even though they had a good playoffs,
0: they could have used them without Will Barton.
1: Yes, they could have used him and they could have just signed and traded him or something, but Josh Akogi, who Josh Akogi is a guy I don't think a lot of people probably know yet. Um, I had the privilege of covering the Timberwolves for about a month and a half for this one site and so I was watching a lot of Timberwolves basketball for a couple months there and Josh Akogi is freaking good. Like, that dude is is probably one of the more underrated defenders in the league. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he's like he's had times where he's checked James Harden. Like they'll throw him at the best guy and like he'll give him trouble. And his offensive game is still a little lackluster. He's like, you know, one of those raw, raw talent guys where he has flashes where he's hitting threes or he's driving to the rim. But he's not it, doing it a ton. It's not all there yet for a Kogi, but I think he can get there. Yeah, it's not there yet, but the defensive stuff is there. And if he can build off that offensively in any way, that's going to be really good for them. Um, so, Wancho Hernan Gomez, who they also got from Denver, who I like, but he's a starting four, and that is a problem. And then, obviously, you got Cat. So, if you just just laying that roster out, really the only – notably good defenders, Josh Okoge. So, I mean, defense is obviously where you need to go. And draft-wise, I'm not sure who you're really going to get it from um, because I don't know much about the draft. But as far as free agency, which I don't – I'm pulling up a list currently, but you may have some names. But getting – uh some kind of, and you know, after trading Rocco, you know, it's you After just... trading Rocco, their
0: defense, imagine it like a shot going up, right? The defense when Rocco was there was the um arc at the top of the ball. The defense after Rocco left, was it coming towards the rim? <laughs> which opponents did very well against Minnesota
1: after he was traded to Houston. <laughs> exactly. And that that's the type of guy they need and you're not gonna get you're not just gonna get Roko. Like he you just don't get right. that kind of guy very often and they traded him. So they they just they, they, they decided, they made a decision there that, that defense wasn't as important. Um so you know, a guy that's interesting, I think this is going to be a really interesting free agent and very underrated because he was on the Pistons and no one cares about the Pistons. Mm. Uh, Christian Wood. So Christian Wood was pretty damn good on both sides of the ball, and he had some really good rebounding games, too. Um, and just looking at that four slot where you get watch Hernan Gomez, who, you know, like I said, you know, he's got some skill, but. You just, you don't want him starting on a good team. Um, Christian Wood though, I think Christian Wood would be kind of like a nice little plug and play guy where he's you're just going to throw him out there and he's going to be good. And I don't I don't know if um, I know Minnesota's got kind of a big payroll, but if they could figure out how to make that work, I think that's that would be a pretty good target for them.
0: Yeah. Minnesota is interesting because they have eyes on making the playoffs next year. And Dylan, you can, we can be honest here about the Timberwolves. I don't know how with the defensive combination of Carl Anthony Towns, and Angelo Russell, they can expect to make the playoffs. I just, I don't have any earthly idea. The only way I could see it happening and my biggest need for them, I went, so for mine, I went more general needs, right? Like, needs were that are easily identified right I don't know which free agent can fix this they need a guy like Paul Millsap was in Denver that's what they need someone who can solidify their defense someone who's really good like a veteran like Millsap was still really good when he his first year in Denver right we've seen the last couple years how he you know Millsap's declined he's 35 years old He's not the same Paul Millsap. Even this Paul Millsap, I think, would help the Timberwolves' defense, which is saying something. You know, maybe like a Taj, like they trade for a Taj Gibson or something. Like, they need defensive forward help. That's their biggest hole right now. Because, so, don't take this analogy the wrong way. Because I'm not saying either of the players are what I'm comparing them to. But, so, you know the mid 2000 Suns, right? where they had a defensive hole in Steve Nash, defensive hole in Amari Stoudemire. What did they fill the holes next to? Who did they play next to those guys? They played Joe Johnson, a young wing. They played Sean Marion, an elite defensive player. They played Raja Bell. You know, you go through the list of guys, right? Those two guys were not great defensively, but everyone else they played next to those two was damn near elite, (laughs) So, you have to fill that hole because you can't have your best two pick and roll defenders be absolute trash and then surround them with absolute trash defenders. They already have a Kogi, like you said. I, that's an excellent hole. I did not think of him, but they need another defensive forward, and they need a he needs to be a bigger forward because a Kogi's fine, right? But a Kogi's like what six five? Yeah, not that's he's, not what you, not what you need. You need like a six eight kind of guy. The problem is those guys are the, the most valuable commodities in the league. But the reason, like I said, Milsap is because Milsap, the reason he fits so great in Denver is because he just fit the whole ethos of the team, you know? He played really good team ball. You know, he fit really well with Jokic on both sides. And I just, you need someone who can fix that defensive hole. The problem is, I don't know who who could possibly fix it because those two guys anchoring your pick and roll defense is going to be a nightmare unless cat is fully bought in on defense next season, which we just, we haven't seen in his five years in the NBA.
1: Yeah. And you know, looking up uh, the Tim rolls payroll, they're not going to get Christian wood, but Paul Millsap is a free agent. So, I mean, I don't, I don't – Paul Millsap is not – he's basically nothing on offense anymore as we saw in the playoffs with Denver. I mean, the poor guy was shooting wide open threes and just – it wasn't happening. But he's probably not going to get paid much for that reason, and that could be a type of guy where they say, you know, he's not going to do much for us, but he's a a good veteran that uh, still has some defensive chops. So maybe they could throw him in there, but – the funds, the funds aren't there for much improvement through free agency, unfortunately. But your points are all valid. It's like Minnesota. So
0: you go through the West next year, right? And we'll talk about some of these teams in a second. For those that are uh, might be listening again, cat disclaimer. Except this time, I'm podcasting in bed, so she can uh, she can meow right into the mic. So that's fun. <laughs> um, we. Minnesota to me just is a team that's trying to make the playoffs. And you look at the West, the Suns are going to be better. The Kings are going to try to make the playoffs. Those are just like two of the bottom tier teams in the West. Those teams finish like below 10th, 10th or below. So you have so many teams that you're going to try to compete with. I think it's foolhardy, right? But they also traded their pick next year to Golden State. So they have to compete. They can't, they have to take this chance to make something of this season. And it's going to be – I'm curious to see where the season goes because it is going to be fascinating for Minnesota to watch them try to make the playoffs in a loaded, loaded Western Conference. I think thats it's a good opportunity to transition to our next team, the Golden State Warriors, who <laughs> – have the second pick in the draft. My biggest need for them was a sudden salary cap spike after winning a championship. <laughs> of course, I am just joking. The I'm going to have a couple of those throughout the podcast, so be forewarned. I think they need either they need front court help either from three-point land or defense. I think either one of those will help significantly. I think the three-point shooting is probably more helpful per se. But I think that They need – they just need forward help because that's their biggest hole probably after Kevin Durant left. We'll see if Pascal can give them that – Eric Pascal can give them that help, right? He was kind of promising, but he only shot, I want to say, 29% from three last season. And Steph Curry was out – he only played five games last year with a broken hand. Klay Thompson, we don't know what he's going to be like after, you know, he – tore his ACL. Andrew Wiggins is Andrew Wiggins. I'm not going to say anything about him on this podcast because I'm not trying to be mean today. So, and then Draymond, Draymond's only had one good shooting season in his life. He, and we don't know how he's going to be at this age. You know, he's played a pretty rough, rough NBA career. I mean, the amount of minutes that guy's logged at center is not probably good for his body. So it's going to be curious to see what the Warriors come out like, but they've had eight months off. They might come out fresher than they've been since like 2014, the beginning of the 14, 15 season. So I'm curious to see what you think, Dylan, of what their, their biggest need is.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear just looking at their roster and looking at the West right now that I don't, I don't think they have much of a chance of getting back to that top top tier I think they're probably a bottom four team in the in the playoffs at this point because um, even if those three guys are healthy I mean a lot of these teams have just kind of caught up and they haven't necessarily caught up to Steph Kareem Klay Thompson with the shooting but this whole this whole uh bonanza that they went on you know in 2015 starting in 2015 like that—that that was that was something new, and there's so many teams that have caught up to that now. And like, I'm interested to see how the Rockets are now without without Maury and D'Antoni. I mean, the the shooting is going to calm down there. So that was the one team that really challenged Golden State, but. I mean obviously a lot has changed with Durant leaving and and having basically all those guys off for a year th- with injury except poor Draymond who had to suffer the most with the with the second round picks last year right <laughs> just just really really tough for Draymond I felt bad for him um but yeah I mean looking at their bench is scary like Kai Böhm and Damian Lee like Decent guards, but, I mean, guys you can get any year in any draft. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson, who I don't think I've ever seen play. <laughs> Eric Pascal, who I liked. We talked about him on our all-rookie team. Um, but as you mentioned, not a great long-range shooter. Uh, but he he's a guy that could be, like, a reliable bench creator. Um, so I'm interested to see how they do that because, I mean, obviously he had to start. This past year, so he was kind of shoehorned into a role that he really shouldn't have been in. But now I think they can probably figure out something that's going to be really good for him. Um, and then ESPN's tar has Draymond also as the backup center. So, <laughs> uh, so I would say, I would say backup forward, like you said, and then center, obviously, because Marquis Chris is not going to work. Um, so. Draft-wise, one of the guys I do know is James Wiseman. And I know our boy Bryce Shadde uh, likes James Wiseman for the for the Warriors. So that may be something they do if they don't trade the pick. Um, but a guy I like from the free agency is Harry Giles. Mm. Harry Giles, he may end up being too, too expensive for them. I'm not sure what his market's going to end up being. But... Shout out to the Kings for just denying his player option uh, or his team option and then just spurning him to have a great year with the Kings. I mean, he didn't have like a fantastic year with the Kings, but he was he was pretty good this past year and now he's just going to go sign with another team. So, you know, I mean, Harry Giles has been a guy that's been interesting ever since he went to Duke, obviously, because. I mean, he was a very highly-touted player. I think he was the the top-ranked guy in that class. Yeah. And he just had so many freaking injuries. I mean, I think he tore his ACL twice in high school. Like, that—that that is, that is really tough. And I don't even remember if he actually even played at Duke. He may have just played a few games. But he was still a lot – or was he a lot? He was – no, he wasn't a lottery pick. He just missed out on the lottery – but he was a lottery talent and he still battled some problems in the NBA, but I mean, he's been, he was good this past season. And I think he's going to be good wherever he goes, especially getting away from the Kings. He's going to get an automatic little bump there, but just with the Warriors salary situation and needs, I think uh, going after someone like that would be really good for them.
0: Harry Giles. I love this is the Harry Giles fan club right here. Yeah. I love Harry Giles. He is a phenomenally skilled player. And if he was the the two ACL thing, I think that totally drained his athleticism because he is groundbound at this point. But he's such an intelligent passer. I mean he's a good rebounder. He's really good at everything except three point shooting. But I think even that could be added to his game. He's so skilled. Um I love Giles for them. I think he would be a great pickup with Pascal. Um Because let's be real here, the Warriors, even though they even though the Warriors like invented small ball with heavy air quotes there, they still loved playing a center. They played a center for about like 40 minutes a game. Most nights. 43 even. 43 even was probably I would say the most they played it. But they love centers in Golden State. Steve Kerr is an old man. (laughs) He loves centers. I think there's a wrinkle, though, that I think both of us have neglected to hit. It's that Golden State has a $17 million trade exception. Yes. And they could use that in a lot of interesting ways. If Likup is willing to pay the tax again, which, you know, is always a big if with these NBA owners, but Up seems crazy. <laughs> and there's a certain guy out in Houston that we talked about in Minnesota that is making $12 million a year and we know Tillman Fertitta is cheap. Robert Covington, I think it makes way too much sense. I don't think I don't think Houston wants to do it, right? I think Houston wants to try and maybe make the playoffs again next year and make some money. But I think if Houston is trying to duck the tax, Rocco to the Warriors, I think just makes I think it makes too much sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, Roko's is a guy that can fit on any team. We've talked about him so much over the course of this podcast. But um, another guy from uh, from our good old Indiana Pacers, Miles Turner, has also been a guy that I think some Warriors fans have talked about, and pretty much fits into that trade exception. So that that I, I've always thought that would be a great fit for both of them because Turner doesn't have to be the the post up big there. Like I don't I still don't know what Miles Turner wants to be. I think I think this season before Sabonis got hurt, he finally I just feel so bad for him because like it seems like every time he figures something out, something bad happens or the season just ends. But playing next to Sabonis like he was really figuring it out I mean, he was starting to shoot way more threes. Like, he became comfortable playing on the perimeter a lot more. And, you know, as good of a shot blocker as he is, I just don't think he can be a starting center because he's he is just displayed that he gets killed by these bigger centers. And I think he's much better as, like, you know, blocking smaller guys and kind of playing off-ball help around the rim. That's what his role is. And... With Golden State, though, I mean, there's so much shooting there. Everything's so spaced out. I don't think the size matters as much because, I mean, we've seen with Golden State in the past where, like, they'll play against big guys and, like, they'll be kind of troubled down low. But then they just go and freaking put up five threes in the next two minutes and it just completely offsets it. So, uh, I mean, either of those guys would be a huge upgrade, obviously, because just getting that defense and the shooting in there would – uh definitely fill a major hole for them.
0: One other guy that I think could really help that if he's willing to take a pay cut, listen, the thing about golden state is they still have, you know, you have to keep their reputation in mind and think that players might want to live there slash play there on cheap contracts. Right. And obviously with the San Francisco cost of living situation, I don't know how feasible that is thinking about that in my head, but I mean, on a, like a mid-level contract, if they can offer it, Gallo to the Warriors, you know, a Baca to the Warriors. You could come up with a lot of situations where veterans want to play on a one-year contract for the Warriors. And that, I think, could really help bolster their team. Because they, I mean, let's be real here, Dylan, they're like the bare bones of what they were. But you could rebuild that skeleton relatively easily if you have free agents that want to come, veteran free agents that want to come there and help.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about this before with, with the cap, not going up. There's going to be a lot of these top tier guys that realize that the money's just not there this year. And it may not be there next year either, but you know, taking a mid-level one year deal is definitely in, in uh is definitely a possibility for a lot of these guys. And especially, you know, I mean, when you're in the NBA, you got to make as much money as possible. Um, but these guys like Gallo and Ibaka, they've made plenty of money and, and, you know, Abaka at least has a championship, so he may it may not be as motivating for him. But uh but for someone like Gallo, he may be like, you know what? I'm getting close to the end of my career here. I have made a lot of money. This is a really good opportunity for me to just go here for we'll just see what happens for one year. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll go get paid next year. But for this year, you know, go ahead and sacrifice a little bit of coin, try to win a chip. Yeah, and I think
0: that that's Golden State's gonna be an interesting opportunity because it's just it's fascinating because we know Steph will probably come back and be good. Or uh, will be, you know, his former self top five player. How Clay comes back is gonna be the the X factor in all this because I mean he should be fine, right? ACLs aren't usually as devastating as what Kevin Durant's coming back from Achilles. People have been better about coming back from ACL's in the last five years they have been other leg injuries but he's still gonna need acclimation time especially since he hasn't played since the 2019 finals which at this point were was two seasons ago like in actual time like we should like obviously this has been a weird year but we should be in the 2021 season right now right and clay hasn't played since the 2018-19 season so he's probably going to be rusty the first couple of weeks, but once he plays that rust off, I mean, he should be Clay again. I mean, Clay probably never was able to stop shooting the ball. He came out and played on that ACL, <laughs> and I mean, that shot will never be bad, right? I just it'll be curious to see if he can defend at the same rate, which will I think that's key too for the Warriors because they like we've the perimeter defense for the Warriors, rested a lot on Clay. He guarded Kyrie a lot in those finals. And if he can't do that at the same level, I don't think you can trust Wiggins too. So it'll be interesting to see where the Warriors go because they have a lot of different fascinating routes. Um, we got to move on though, because we have a half hour to talk about 12 teams. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll try to bust through some of these quickly, but Charlotte is an interesting one for sure. Um, Charlotte... They have the third pick in the draft. They, If Wiseman somehow gets past Golden State, they are taking James Wiseman. But, Dylan, what do you have as the need for the Charlotte Hornets?
1: Yeah, I do think it comes down to center. Um, I like Cody Zeller, but he's just a backup big at this point. And having, having a more athletic guy, it doesn't even have to be a guy that can shoot, um, although James Wiseman can shoot and is pretty damn skilled. But just having someone a little bit more athletic – um even if it is just a role, man would be good for them but it, it's i'm so close to loving their roster i'll never love a roster i'll never love a roster that has terry rozier on it um <laughs> unless he's coming off the bench but miles bridges and pj washington are two of my favorite guys the past couple drafts um They're good. and and miles bridges i think has been a little bit more disappointing than i hoped um, because I I was a you know, we had the two bridges that one draft, and I thought Miles was going to be better than McHale. And so far, I don't think I mean, I'm not going to say it's really far off, but I think McHale's definitely been better. Um, and I think McHale's close to being really freaking good. Um, because his, if he can get his offense creation a little bit more improved, that dude is going to be a freaking stud. Yeah. But PJ Washington I do like a lot. Is, uh, I think he had a good rookie season. So and DeMonte Graham had a good year last year shooting the ball. So they're they're not they're not incredibly far away. Um, if they can get a more athletic center, um, and even their bench isn't horrible. So hopefully Malik Monk can maybe finally have that breakout year. I don't know. But I like I like Brago as a coach.
0: I yeah. think he's a good coach. I thought Personally, I thought Charlotte was better than Washington this year. Records be damned. Right. Like, just watching the teams play, (laughs) Charlotte, I felt like, was better than Washington, although the records – I think Charlotte probably would have passed Washington for the ninth seed if the season was allowed to be completed. I think they were only three games back of Washington. But it was – yeah, Charlotte, to me, was better than Washington, but Washington obviously is picking – or Washington – made it to the bubble and Charlotte didn't and we didn't need Charlotte in the bubble we really didn't need Washington either but it was I mean Charlotte sorry for that Um, (laughs) my cats are playing with each other uh I don't know Charlotte I I was gonna say wing but I think you convinced me into they need a five just any five I think any five would help them um (laughs) You're right. Cody Zeller is good, but he's better as a backup. He's getting paid way too much. Um, but I think that's because he was an MJ draft pick, you know. <laughs> MJ special. Draft a really touted college guy over the guy who's actually got potential. Um, <laughs> Millie Monk. um where, What was I saying? I don't know. I think you give me... You give the Hornets a solid dive man. I think that they could be readily improved. I don't know if what
1: Devontae Graham did was real last year. Yeah. I said he had a good year and I, I should have had a caveat that a lot of the year was also not good. <laughs> I mean, they, there was some games where he was unstoppable, but there was a lot of games where, I, I mean, we've talked about this before with these guards, but a lot of these guys, not to say that Graham is a diamond dozen guy, but there's probably a guy that's going to be in the draft next year or even this year, that's that's going to just pop on the scene the same way. I mean, it, these small guards that can shoot, it's, it's not impossible to find him. Right. And he – I think he's got
0: good offense, right? But I think he's going to be better suited as a sixth man whenever that can be presented to him. So if they could try to get like a – you know, if they could try to draft – I could see LaMelo Ball being drafted there and them trying to move Devontae Graham either to the two or off the bench – I think that could be a real possibility for them, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go. They have a lot of holes, but it feels like they're so close to the playoffs. Like, it feels like it's not going to be long before they're better than the magic because PJ Washington oh, yeah. and bridges bridges is good. Even though like, obviously Mikhail is going to look better, especially after the bubble where he was on a team that was, that needed him the most, right? Like the team that really could use his abilities. He was phenomenal in the bubble. He was probably one of the best role players in the bubble. And we'll probably talk we'll talk about Bridges, the other bridges later. Miles Bridges to me, I like the way he plays. He's a good you know, I think he's a good energy player. And I think he can I think Miles Bridges has a higher ceiling than Mikhail Bridges. It might take him longer to get there, or he might never get there because he's in Charlotte. Which we see, <laughs> which we see often. But I don't know. Charlotte's gonna be interesting case for sure. Um, let's move on to the bulls. I will start. I think that they need, it's tough. They have so many holes. Like they are easily, it's crazy of the four teams we've talked about so far. They are by far the worst and there are worse to come. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the bulls just are not good. They need like, you have a solid foundation, right? With marketing and Carter. And Kobe White could be interesting. and Zach Levine is a good scorer who plays OLA defense. So and Otto Porter is good and like Otto Porter's good, but he hasn't been healthy. I think I'll just say they need like actual like bench players. <laughs> like they need actual guys who can play off the bench because their bench is absolute trash. They have Sadaransky, who is good, who's been good for them. But, like, other than that, who do they have? Luke Cornette.
1: Hey. Have I mentioned that hey, I hate this no, team. Hey, no Luke Cornett hate on this podcast, my friend. No I, Luke Cornette hate. I hate this team, but. <laughs> like, I mean, I how know. how does this team still have Chris Dunn and Denzel Valentine? It feels Chris, like they've been there for the past 10 years.
0: Chris Dunn has been good on defense. Yeah. But, Chris, you can't make it as a Tony Allen kind of guy in the league anymore. Like, no. not as, like, anything better than an eighth man. Especially a point guard. Like, point guard is such an offensive position now. Like, you could just find 75 Chris Dunn's. Like, Javon Carter. I'd rather have Javon Carter than Chris oh, Dunn. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He can like, shoot at least.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, like, maybe Chris Dunn will get better at shooting in the offseason. But he's, like, 27 already, I think. Yeah. He was an old player coming out of the draft. I was, I'm just mad that we traded Jimmy Butler for his ass, but, um, sorry. I had to get over my anger. What are your, what are your needs for the bulls?
1: You know, I love Kobe white. Um, I think he's an ex Kemba. That's just, that's what I've always said. I'm sticking to it. Um, but having him and Zach Levine on the same team, I'm not sure if that's going to work out. Uh, The thing with Zach Levine, he's an undeniable talent, like undeniable. Like he's every year he's good. And every year, like the first month of the season, he's like, everyone's talking about him as an all-star. And it's kind of funny how it just always dies off after the first month. But I don't know if it's possible this off season because the craziness and the money, but I feel like this is the time where they need to trade Levine because – it's kind of hard to see him as like a building block for a playoff team or like a good playoff team at least. And he's, he's in an age now and he's like clearly in his peak, his peak years. So I I think that's, I think that's the move they have to make at some point. And I'm not sure who's going to make that move. Maybe if Brooklyn is not able to get a guy, they get desperate or something and they go for Levine. I don't know. Someone will trade for him. And I feel like that's going to be the way they have to go. But, like, everyone else on that starting lineup, I like a lot. Like, I like Otto Porter. Like, he said he's been hurt. Wendell Carter loved him coming out of the draft. Markenden, I think, has gotten a little bit – he's not as interesting as he was a couple years ago, but he's still good the thing that infuriates me about the bulls is that carter i heard like oh carter is a
0: good shooter is a good shooter he didn't even look at the rim half the time like yeah so this is the like i only watched a few bulls games last year right but one of the ones i watched was the one where they played the pacers where tj leaf played most of the game as center the bulls lost that game (laughs) what more do i need to say wendell carter only had 20 and 10 like if you're not, and I think most of those were off offensive rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, if you're not dominating that game, then something's either wrong with the coaching. They fired Boylan. Thank God. And they fired Garpax. Thank God. And they brought in Karnasiewicz from Denver, which I think is going to be, hopefully my fingers are crossed because, you know, I love Denver as an organization. <sighs> I just hope that they can, you know, identify the right talent in this draft. Cause they've been good at that right in Denver, but Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's infuriating. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on the Cavs. Sexton and Garland are intriguing. Kevin Love and Andre Drummond need to get the hell out of there. Yes. Um, Kevin Love, not to be glib about it, Kevin Love has struggled with mental health in the past. I don't think being in Cleveland now is helping that. I don't I don't think it could. Um you saw Sexton doesn't pass. <laughs> that just is like um pass is not in Colin Sexton's vocabulary. He just I think he scored like 23 points a game last year. I don't I think that's what he averaged. He's I mean, a good he's scorer. A good, he's yeah. a good scorer. I mean I think that's, you know, you get that out of Colin Sexton. I think you're good, but um yeah. I just they need help everywhere. I mean, realistically they need
1: they need more forwards. Yeah. I mean they're they, year, they're years away. Like they Jay need, Osman is I don't know. He's eighth man. Yeah. At best. And any team with Andre Drummond, I just worry about. I just I just worry about an Andre yes. Drummond team. I oh, noted not Andre Drummond fan no. over here.
0: I He's definitely going to opt in I mean, for what Cleveland got him for I don't think it was a bad trade but I just don't right. know why you bring Andre Drummond Onto that roster <laughs> It just doesn't make sense I would like to see Andre Drummond with a better guard Than Reggie Jackson or Darius Garland Or Colin Sexton I think I think we could hold that off on him For like a little bit But Andre would be a fool To opt out of 28 million in this economy, a fool. <laughs> so, it's not going to happen. It, they just, they need any semblance of wing help and they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. No one wants to play in Cleveland right now. So, nobody.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything to add. Like, it's just looking at the landscape of the league. Like, obviously, the Knicks are the one that. You can shit on the most, but everyone else, I don't know. I think Cleveland Cleveland may have the bleakest outlook of the next few years because, you know, we're coming off Chicago. At least they have a few guys that look really promising for the future. I mean, all the teams before that did too. Cleveland, it's like your past two draft picks or two guards that probably can't play together. It's like, I don't know. I don't know where you go from there.
0: I think there's one team that has a bleaker future, and we will get to them in a couple spots but for now let's move on to to a team i feel like it's close to your heart the atlanta hawks oh yes what do you think atlanta hawks biggest need is
1: you want to hear what my biggest need for the atlanta hawks is
0: more kevin herter playing
1: time (laughs) just just love that's all they need they just need some tender care with tender love and care is yeah they just need some tender love and care baby this is the team right here okay Trey Young, Kevin Herter—that's that's the the uh, backcourt of the future. Backcourt of the future. DeAndre Hunter is uh, a very good floor small forward. Like he's he's. Uh, he's I don't want to. I don't want to say he's going to be Roko, but it wouldn't shock me. He, I think he's going to be very very solid for the next twelve years. Yes, and you know he he may average like 14, 15 points a game. That's that's all you need. He's going to be a good defender. He's going to knock down some threes. That's going to be good. John Collins. Love the guy. Um, I hope they play him more as center, which they, they did do a good amount last year, but um, he's, he's like, he's like a tweener between a a power forward and a center, which is kind of interesting. Um, But that dude is skilled as hell. Like in his three point shots getting better too. really like John Collins and Clint Capella. We haven't even seen him with them yet. But in theory, him and Trey would be nuts together because Trey, everyone talks about Trey shooting, but he is an incredible passer and he's really good at lobs too. So that's going to be fun to watch. And then, I mean, I like a lot of these bench guys too. Cam Reddish, you know, the, the offense, I think the offense was actually better last year than people expected it to be, um, despite it still not being good, but he's going to be a good defender. DeAndre Bembry is a nice energy guy, good defender. Dwayne Dedman, they get back from the Kings. They saved him from the Kings. Dwayne Dedman's only ever been good on the Hawks. Exactly. So I'm glad that he's back there. Um, And then Jeff Teague coming off the bench. It's almost like, I mean, I kind of like that trade just because, you know, ever since when he left Atlanta, it just wasn't really, it wasn't the same and it probably will never be the same as it was back in like 2015, but um, you know I mean, it's not a, it's not an incredible roster, but they have a ton of upside potential with just with that starting unit alone Yeah,
0: I think, you're right uh, Reddish, I think to me, as one of the higher potentials in the league he fell to 10, and it felt like it was a maligned pick, but I think Reddish could be really, really good, um Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think the Hawks, all they need is, like... And you brought up Jeff Teague. I don't know if Jeff Teague does it for you in 2020. Probably not. (laughs) I think you need a better backup point guard. Because to me, what was interesting about them was that they were a like average team when Trae Young was on the floor. And then they were the team with the sixth pick when Trae Young was off the floor. So you average that out and you get a guy that can hold the hold, keep the boat afloat when you're not on the floor. I think that's going to be, that's going to be the key for their team in the upcoming season. Cause I think they're close. Like you give Reddish, they're probably not going to make it this year, but you give Reddish and Hunter and Trey young and Herter another year of development and Collins. <laughs> like you could go small with that lineup and have it be like an impactful defensive lineup. So I think the sky's the limit for the Hawks. I think that it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Now, the team I think has the bleakest outlook in the league the Detroit Pistons. Who is on this roster that's worth a damn? Seku? Christian Wood, baby. He's not going to be on this roster.
1: (laughs) Damn it, you're right.
0: Blake Griffin? Like, that's literally
1: hey, it. Steve McKay-Luke, man. He's had some games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. one, Two guys on this roster that are worth a damn that are not on massive contracts that are not untradeable but unlikely to be traded to anywhere but the Knicks. Um, Steve McKay-Luke <laughs> and Luke Kennard and so That's So, it's three guys. You got three guys. It's not a great place. You know, I, I actually do like Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's good. Okay. I'll give you that. But I don't know if he can be anything like more than like a seventh man, but yeah, I like Bruce Brown. Um, that's the problem though. This is a team full of seventh men.
1: Yes. And, and Derek, Derek, Rose is obviously gone. Um, Brandon Knight, who I completely forgot ended up back there. He was a part of the Drummond trade. I think uh, I guess was this was this year was the year of reunions. I guess we get Jeff Teague and Dwayne Dedman back in Atlanta ran Knight night back in detroit what a beautiful year man 2020 notoriously a beautiful year everyone everyone uh can agree with that everyone that's what everyone says everyone says it yeah so just um, jumping on that bandwagon tony snell love tony snell but yeah th- this is uh it just hurts and luke Kennard like I feel like you get the same thing. You just keep getting the same thing from him. I know he hasn't been in the league that long, but like he has really good games. They all seemingly come against the Pacers, but he has really good games and then not really good games. Just back and forth. He, I, like, I like his off the dribble game. I think he's going to be,
0: I think he could be something on a different team. The problem is he's on the Pistons. Right. That's the main problem here. Like he averaged 16 points a game last year on 40% from 3. I mean, you're telling me that I thought the Suns should have traded for him. I thought he would have like uh, he would have really helped the Suns. That we'll
1: was get, a rumor at one point.
0: We'll get to the Suns, but I thought him to the Suns made too much sense that of course, it being the Robert Sarver Suns, they did not trade for him. But canard. I like him. Um It's going to be interesting to see where the Pistons go from here. So, unfortunately, we have backed ourselves into a corner. We have 10 minutes for seven teams. (laughs) The New York Knicks. (laughs) New York Knicks. Uh, They need talent. Um, They have a bleak outlook, but I think that they could get better. I think they need more guard help, they need better point guard play. Alfred Payton and Frank Nadillakina are not going to cut it. Sorry, Jacob, but that's just the truth.
1: Yeah, I mean, (sighs) I think Frank Milkena may be driven into the ground by Tibbs, which I'm really looking forward to because none of these other Knicks coaches have done it. But I'm interested to see that. And I think they need to just cut Julius Randle, obviously. Just get rid of that cancer. It's not worth it. Just put Taj Gibson in this spot. That's going to get them in the playoffs right there.
0: Oh, yeah, because we need... We need Tibbs playing Taj Gibson even more minutes. Yes, please. Um, all right, who's next? We got the Washington Wizards. I mean, I think the Washington the Wizards hole is pretty obvious. If John Wall comes back healthy, what they need is a defensive center. Like, they could low key be a team that like Tristan Thompson goes to or something like that, and they could, it would be massively improved.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. We keep talking about these really good teams with Tristan Thompson going to. Um, but yeah, Washington would be interesting because I like Thomas Bryan on offense, but defense obviously it's not there. My He's boy, one of those rotating things, like um the the turnstiles, right? The turnstile on defense. Yeah, and my boy Yon Mahimi, man had a nice run there. Not he, pl- it. he played that contract out. I was happy he got that contract, but way too much. <laughs> um, I like Troy Brown Jr. I think he's going to be good. Rui, Rui, I'm kind of back and forth on. I don't know. He's not a good they got defender. A, they got a nice team,
0: and yeah. John Wall is a. We'll see how John Wall comes back because he hasn't played in like two or three seasons at this point. But yeah, he. I think that John Wall is going to be interesting, uh, because I mean, people forget he was damn good. <laughs> he was damn good, and then Bradley Beal jumped up a level while he was out. So if you have those two guys playing it. of what their peaks are I'd say that's a pretty good guard duo And I'd say it's one of the best guard duos in the league Um, The Phoenix Suns One of our favorite teams They need They need better creation And I think the trade Simmons and Zach Lowe brought it up The trade that I think they need to make Is trading for Chris Paul I think they need to do it Because if you get Devin Booker Being set up by Chris Paul Oh my god (laughs) DeAndre Ayton takes a leap. You obviously, the trade if they trade for um, for Chris Paul would probably be this pick, Oubre
1: and Rubio.
0: I just, I think it makes too much sense.
1: You know, the interesting thing about this Suns bubble run, and we talked about this, was I forgot Kelly Oubre was even a thing. And, yeah. like, he was, like, a good player for them. And, like, he's making, like, a $13 million a year. They just kind of plugged, like, Cameron Johnson in there and Dario Saric, and it was good. Cameron so, Johnson was good in the bubble. Yeah. I, I like Cameron Johnson. I, he's a really good shooter. He's really good off the ball in general. Good in transition. Like, they they can make it work with him playing a good amount of minutes. I mean, upgrading from Rubio to, to Chris Paul would be unbelievable. They I, would make the playoffs. I, Oh yeah, I 100% agree. That's that's the move right there. Like it, it's too clear
0: cut for me, and I know that Phoenix isn't going to do it. I just know in my heart of hearts that Phoenix is not going to do it. Even though the salaries match, I think Rubio's making 17 million. I believe Ubre is making somewhere around 15. The salaries match perfectly. It just for some reason it's just not going to happen. It makes me mad. It makes me mad. So the San Antonio Spurs, old team, old the team. Fighting between old and young. I think the move here is obvious. You got to trade DeRozan and Aldridge and blow it up. Like there's just the the draft is too good, and as we all know, the Spurs have incredible luck when it comes to being in the lottery. So, I think that's the move. Um, play your
1: young guys. Your young guards. Try to get a young forward. I think that's the move. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this team in the bubble a lot. I really like you know, I like Murray. I like Derek White. Um, they have some really nice young pieces, and Damar and Aldridge are kind of just holding them back. I think they could probably do, like, a big reset. I don't think it's going to be a rebuild. It's like a reset. Right. Um, you do a big reset, you get a couple uh, couple of good draft picks. I think I think they're, uh, yeah, I think, you know, dump Aldridge. And they didn't even have Aldridge in that bubble, and they played well. So uh, maybe send Aldridge back to Portland, you know, do some, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the De- DeRozan, who knows where he could go, but yeah. Orlando, baby, <laughs> that's honestly—if they could get like Aaron Gordon,
0: right? This the Magic for whatever reason just hate Aaron Gordon. Yeah, if you could get Aaron Gordon for DeRozan, you have to jump on that.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And with with John Isaac being out, I wonder if they would make that move. But yeah, me too. But
0: they they need a scorer, and as you know, inefficient as the Marias in the West, he would make a difference in the East.
1: So. Oh, yeah. He would be great on Orlando for sure. <laughs> um, The next team is the
0: Sacramento Kings. I think the Kings could go a lot of different ways here. I mean, Harry Giles, can we, like, you talked about Harry Giles. It's just fucking dumb that they declined his option. Like, he's on a rookie contract. What's the harm? What's the harm? Like, it's so dumb. The Kings are just a dumb organization, even when they try not to be. Um Joe Dumars, I think, is actually a low-key good pickup. I mean, he wasn't great in Detroit, but you never know how much of that stuff is ownership. I'm glad he's getting another shot at being a, a head guy, even though I think they he might still have the interim title. But Dumars being in charge there, I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't know. Eagle, I think the Kings are close, but I don't think they they're ever going to make it. <laughs> I think 2018 was their or whatever the season was where they finished in ninth place. I think it was either 2018, 19 or 2017, 18, but whatever that season was, was their best shot probably. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think, I don't think in the West, they can make it.
1: No, I don't either. Um, I mean, I think the big move is to just see what you can get for buddy healed. Yeah. Um, because the fit is just not there. They're going to resign Bogdanovich and that's going to be the guy of the future next to Fox. So See what you can get with healed. Hopefully it's better than Al Horford. <laughs> I, I, would know, ima- I would imagine it could be, but. You know, my theory is I don't think Al Horford sucks. I don't <laughs> either, but just straight up value-wise, I have a hard time seeing Buddy and him being equal at this point.
0: It's That's fair, but I feel like, right, neither of their teams want them. And Buddy would obviously benefit the Sixers a lot more than Horford was and vice versa. Yeah. Right? Although Buddy was, I mean, people forget Buddy was probably, was their second best player on the year that they almost made the playoffs. But for some reason, they just don't value their their good players the way that they should, even though they paid him a max contract. I don't know. Like, I think Caleb goes a little overboard sometimes, but I think the Buddy healed thing kind of might be right. I don't know. We'll, we'll wait to see. He's playing in Sacramento, so you got to cut him some slack there. Right. Um, New Orleans Pelicans. This one's interesting because it looks like they're trying to trade Drew Holiday. I don't know if they're going to compete next year or tank. It's going to be. I think really this the answer to this goes depends on which way that they go. If they trade Radica and Holiday, then you know just sign more young pieces and try to develop for the future. If not, just sign a veteran center to back up favors or bank on Jackson
1: Hayes development. I think those are the two ways to go. Well, you know, favors is a free agent too. So that's true. There's not even a chance. There's a chance that he could go somewhere else as well.
0: Oh, he is a low key. Oh, I forgot that he was a free agent.
1: Wow. It's been a long season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if they're going to trade a holiday, I would imagine that favors would probably leave. Um, And there was some scuttlebutt about, about Lonzo potentially being traded too um i guess there was some stuff with like attitude in the in the bubble or something i don't know i mean the uh, the new orleans played terrible in the bubble yeah they were compared to expectations so i mean I, they have a great young core like it's either them or memphis we've talked about before so you know i i wouldn't be shocked if they just kind of tear down these old pieces and and uh build for 2022
0: yeah, and Favors, actually, I, I got to recalibrate my my center free agent board because Favors is ahead of Tristan Thompson for sure. Oh, yeah. Favors in Washington. Oh, my God, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Favors in Boston. Like, people forget how good Derek Favors is just because he's been, you know, pushed to the side by Gobert or, you know, he's been, you know, relegated to irrelevancy in New Orleans. But he is a damn good player. It's a damn good player. If you you get 28 minutes out of him, that's better than 28 minutes out of like 75% of centers. Um, Boston. The need here is obvious. And that is to let Marcus Smart shoot more threes. I am just (laughs) kidding. It is a center. It's a center. Like you need a center to compete in the East. Like just flat out at this point, Miami physically abused them. Miami was physically abused by the Lakers. <laughs> that is not a good sign for your future hopes. They, you know, I don't think watching the finals, there wasn't any way that the Celtics could have beat the Lakers. Just there wasn't any because they, the Lakers abused the Heat and the Heat abused the Celtics. So by, I mean, I know transitive property gets overused, but by transitive property, you have to imagine that the Lakers would have done the same thing to the Celtics.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this. We talked about this a lot, especially with Tristan Thompson. But obviously, Derek Favors, uh, if they can get either of those guys, it's a huge upgrade. And whatever happens with Gordon Hayward is going to be interesting because there's a chance he could move on, and that that kind of changes things. Um, but assuming that doesn't happen, getting a center and then you know a backup guard of some sort, a little bit of better, more reliable than Brad Wanamaker, uh, would Washington. be good for them.
0: Boston was a six-man team last year. They had the best six-man rotation in the league. Yeah, more depth than that. They they can't survive with the lacklustre depth that they had. But on that note, um, Dylan, we somehow managed to get through all fourteen teams in an hour after making it through like four teams in half an hour. So <laughs> we we did it. We did it.
1: Proud of us. We're we're good at we're good at uh, rambling and then just quickly getting through stuff if we need to. I mean, it's
0: a shame that we didn't have more time to talk about Nicola O'Malley, but, you know, that'll, right. that'll wait for another time. Um, I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, go check out our other shows. Triple Option Pass. Great podcast. Linsanity put out two episodes yesterday. Um, Circle City Cinema will be back next week and Battleground will be back next week as well. I want to thank you for listening.